Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for our congregation prayer, Saturday, uh, June 19th, 2021. I'm recording today from home um, because I'm playing Mr. Mom, or at least I need to help out Anne a bit more than usual um, because my older kids are out of town. So um, just take a brief break here to pray with you. And then I'll be uh, back to attending to them. Um, we continue with our catechesis in the book of Acts, chapter 9, specifically today hearing about Peter healing Aeneas and raising Tabitha from the dead. And if there's noise in the background, that's what's going on. Hopefully not too distracting. Uh, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, we say our memory verse one more time for this week. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 1 John 3, verse 16. And then our psalm for this week is Psalm 119, He and Vav, uh, which is verses 33 through 48. Say it with me. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law, and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies, and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things, and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise, that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your just decrees are good. Behold, I long for your precepts, and your righteousness give me life. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, and your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your just decrees. I will keep your law continually, forever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings, and shall not be put to shame. For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Okay. Our first reading today is continuation of St. Paul's letter to the church in Rome, chapter 2. Indeed, you are called a Jew and and rest on the law and make your boast in God. And know his will and approve the things that that are excellent, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? 
You who say, do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law, but if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you, who even with your written code and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. There ends the reading. I don't know if you uh, are tracking with the uh, controversy, controversy as some people call it, uh, controversy regards to um, the American uh, College of uh, Cardinals um, in regards to uh, voting, far and away majority voting of those bishops to, um, in a sense, censure those uh, public officers, those politicians who um, claim um, to profess Catholic faith and yet continually uh, espouse teachings that are contrary to the doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church. And uh, the doctrines in specific um, have to do with abortion um, and contraception use and other things, but specifically abortion, uh, of which we actually agree with the Roman Church completely on um, the sanctity of human life. All right, And uh, despite our disagreements on some doctrine, that doctrine we absolutely agree with. Um, and it's causing some uh, some issue because, of course, the politicians say, well, now you're burdening our conscience. Well, of course we're burdening your conscience. That is the job of um, God's word, uh, especially God's word as preached by um, his churches and by his uh, pastors and bishops. Okay, And uh, the reason for that, especially for those who are in public office, is either reject that you are a Catholic, right? that, you, that you're a Roman Catholic, that you're a Christian, um, reject that and say, I actually, I'm not. I'm just proposing all sorts of um, things that are contrary to the church, so I really can't, I don't belong in that church anymore. Be honest about it. That's what they're um, asking. Or um, else repent, right? Repent and believe the gospel again. Be- believe what God teaches in his holy word. All right, so um, this is completely within the realm of what the um, Catholic bishops are authorized to do as preachers of God's word, right? Uh, unfortunately, the politicians say that they can't, their conscience can't be burdened, and they should still be able to practice outwardly the actions of, um, you know, that are given to the Roman Church, and specifically to receive the Lord's Supper, or as they call it, the Mass, right? Uh, but actually, it is the longstanding tradition of the Church, and I think it's also um, maybe loosely, but but confessed by the Scriptures that those where you commune. Um, you are confessing that you are in agreement with their doctrine. Not just the doctrine of the Lord's Supper, but, but actually the doctrine of that congregation and the teachings, the teaching as that pastor has preached that day. Right? So um, that's why you're not welcome at an altar that teaches contrary um, to what you believe. This should not be a problem. <laughs> but unfortunately, um, these people consider themselves Roman Catholic, and yet they live, teach, and actually legislate contrary to the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church which is another way of saying we're not really Roman Catholic. Um, so if you wondered what the uh, photo is on my Facebook wall of uh, uh, four individuals 
in a sense, worshiping Moloch. Moloch um, is a Canaanite god um, to which they sacrifice children. Um, and so really is the god of abortion, right? And uh, uh, there's also a letter from 60, I believe, um, Democrat um, folks who are also um, professed Roman Catholics saying that uh, the church is, is teaching falsely, which is a pretty bold thing to do. Um, also, um, a comment from uh, our, our current, uh, our former vice president, I should say, and also um, uh, a comment from a, a rather repulsive, actually, uh, senator, uh, I think from Hawaii, if I remember right, or California, I can't remember, um, who um, dares really to lay the gauntlet down and, to, and dare priests uh, not to commune him and see what happens. Well, we'll see what happens. All right, so we knew this was coming. Um, it was only a matter of time before uh, the Roman Catholic bishops would um, finally stand up to these uh, folks who are confess, who claim to confess faith in Christ and yet live contrary to that, and within the, especially within their public office. All right, um, so there you go. So go check that out. That's on my Facebook wall. If you're not Facebook friends, you can do that. Um, sometimes. Uh, you know, a little edgy content, but that's okay, right? Keep you on your toes. Um, but again, uh, just to summarize, the reason why that this reminds me of this, of course, is um, that they blaspheme the name of God among the Gentiles. That's exactly why the Catholic bishops uh, must rebuke these public politicians who um, confess false doctrine and yet confess to be Catholic, Roman Catholic, and rather really Christian, right? because they are blaspheming the name of God among the Gentiles. All right. And our reading for catechesis, well, more catechesis, is from Acts chapter 9, beginning of verse 32. Now it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ, the Christ, heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. At Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went to them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him, weeping, showing, him, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon, a tanner. All right. Um, so what, this actually uh, relates to a conversation I was having earlier this week. Um, what term is regularly applied to those who believe? Yeah, they're called the saints. You see that in verse 32, right? So this, in contradiction to um, the Roman teaching, Roman Catholic teaching of, you know, the saints being those distinguished by 
um, acts of great faith, but also um, uh, acts of miracles, them saints here are simply describing those who believe in Christ Jesus, made holy by the blood of the Lamb. Uh, to what city did Peter go then? They have him going to Lydda. And who did he meet there? This guy? Aeneas, right? What was his condition? He had been bedridden for eight years and now paralyzed. Uh, what's the significance of the number eight? The number eight. Uh, I don't think that's immaterial. I think it's worth considering maybe what it might, might indicate. Number eight is often associated with the new creation or with the new life of baptism. Um, think of here First uh, Peter chapter 3. For Christ also suffered once for sins. Hold on. Uh, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh and made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was prepared, in which a few, that is, here it is, eight souls were saved through water. There is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism. Not the removal of the filth of, of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. So there you have uh, very clearly the number eight associated uh, with baptism. And of course, eight um, Christ is, the eighth day is the day that Christ rose from the dead. And what should this man's story remind us of? All right, this should sound, obviously this is Peter with Aeneas, but this should sound very familiar to what we heard back in Luke volume one, that's the gospel according to St. Luke, uh, this story. Then behold, men brought a man, or bed, on a bed, excuse me, they brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to them, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts, which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he then he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your home. And immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. All right. Um, so what's interesting there, right? We have the same areas being mentioned, right? We have um, the bed, and we have him saying, Arise, right? So we have some parallels there. Um, of course, that was primarily not just about um, healing, but also forgiveness of sins, which, of course, is the greater healing for us. Um, I didn't read this verse, but you might want to note uh, back in just one verse before, listen to this, Acts, or excuse me, Luke 5, 17. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Compare that. Um, to what was just mentioned uh, back in Acts 9. See, I should put it on the screen. Acts 9.31. 
So that was where we, what we read last week. Then the churches throughout Judea, Gal- all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified, right? So right before the story of the healing of the para- paralytic by Jesus, we have mention of three areas, Judea, Jerusalem, and Galilee. Here, right before the healing of Peter of a paralytic, we have mentions of Judea, Galilee, Samaria. All right, so similar areas. How does uh, Peter heal this man? Yeah, he first declares that Jesus is the Christ, right? And heals the man by saying, arise. So it's Christ, his name attached to his word. Got it? Now, what is important about this healing? Yeah, all who dwelt in the town and then uh, Sharon, which must be nearby, um, saw this man and then turned to the Lord. What does it mean that they turned to the Lord? Yeah, that's the word for repentance, right? They returned in faith. Uh, who else now lived in Joppa, which is nearby? Yeah, this is Tabitha. Um, Tabitha, by the way, means either roe, deer, or can mean short-sighted, short-sighted. Um, and Dorcas in uh, Greek is, is actually roe, deer. That's why Tabitha in Hebrew, I should say, um, roe, deer, Dorcas, roe, deer. So meaning the same thing. Little deer. Uh, what is the Old Testament background of the name Tabitha or Dorcas? Ah, where did they get that name? I'll give you two examples, actually. Not as well-known book of the Bible. And I think to our um, I think to our detriment, actually. Because like here, we was like, well, where did that name come from? Um, well, from Song of Solomon. All right. So and we don't tend to read it because eh, people think it's risque, but it's actually quite beautiful. Um, whether it's Christ in the church or you know, a love song between Christ and the church or um, some other kind of love song. Um, it's not really um, extraordinarily what, um, I mean, it's not, it's not trying to be edgy or uh, pornographic or anything like that. It's really just teaching us how to speak um, of the beauty of the bride. All right, so um, chapter four, I'll just give you a little context. Your lips are like a strand of scarlet and your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like a piece of pomegranate. Your neck is like the Tower of David built for an armory, on which hang a thousand bucklers, all shields of mighty men. Your two breasts are like the fawn, like two fawns, twins of a gazelle, which feed among the lilies. All right, so there, there's the wo- word. Um, there it's translated. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it's translated as fawn. I suppose that works, right? And then. Um, We have chapter 7 of Song of Solomon, another song to the beloved, of course. How beautiful are your feet in your sandals, O prince's daughter. The curves of your thighs are like jewels, the work of, of the hands of a skillful workman. Your navel is a rounded goblet. It lacks no blended beverage. Your waist is a heap of wheat set about with lilies. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. It's a pretty much explicit quote, is it not? Yeah, it's almost exactly the same. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes are like pools in Heshbon by the gate of Rabim. All right. Uh, So there you go. So it's just pulled right out of Song of Songs.
Um, okay, how is Dorcas here described? In a beautiful way, right? A woman full of good works and charitable deeds. Of course, what did they do when she died? This is common practice, right? Yes, yeah, she was washed and then laid in the upper room for visitation, right? Uh, which would have been immediately after her death. Of what Old Testament story might this remind us of? I think the key there is upper room. Yeah, think of both Elisha and the widow's son, and then Eli or excuse me, Elijah and the widow's son, and then Elisha raising the Shunammite's son. Right? Both were in the upper room. Uh, in both cases, the prophet came, and now here's Peter being fulfillment of both Elijah and Elisha in Christ's stead. Of course, this reminds us of Jesus himself, right? In the raising of Jairus' daughter. Um, but maybe also uh, the woman who uh, was healed by touching the garment of Jesus. Remember the woman with the flow of blood? All right, so we have that, I think, in the background too because of that washing, right? And she had a sickness that was leading unto death. All right, that bleeding. Um, of what should the washing remind us of? Of course, we already mentioned it with the eighth, with the eighth day. Now here again, yes, being washed clean in baptism. Need some scripture on that? I'll give you some. How about uh, John 13? I mean, there's much they get from John. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, all right? Referring to baptism. But you are clean, but not all of you, referring, of course, to the one who betrayed him. Right, who rejected the gift of his baptism in Jesus? Um, Acts sixteen will come up. It will come up again. Listen to this. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now, when he had brought them into his house, he set set food before them. He rejoiced, having believed in God with his whole household. That's of the Philippian jailer and his family. And note also, of course, it's his whole household that are baptized contrary to your uh, maybe Baptist friends. Oh, uh, let's see, who was sent uh, to Peter? We have two men, right? And what happened when Peter arrived? Yeah, they brought him uh, into the upper room and uh, there were the widows weeping with tunics and garments that Dorcas had made. Huh, that's cool. So they're um, celebrating life, I suppose, celebrating the work that she had accomplished, being full of good works and charitable deeds, being a seamstress of some sort. Um, but of course, tunic, tunics and garments. We had the eighth day. We had washing. Uh, what might we be indicating here? Yeah, clothing and baptism go together, don't they? Um, think of Luke volume one, gospel according to Luke. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, uh, for they do not know what they do are doing or what they do and they divided his garments and cast a lot so we have um, the garments being actually there the tunic of jesus but also um same similar in john actually john's uh description of the death they took his garments and made four parts to each soldier apart and also the tunic so the soldiers being clothed in the garments of christ and uh, i think also then um we have put on christ as a uh, St. Paul says uh, to Titus in chapter 3, right? Uh, what does Peter then do? Yeah, he sends away the mourners, right? He put them out, uh, and then he knelt down to pray. How did Peter raise her from the dead? This is similar to Aeneas. 
yeah, he says, Tabitha, arise. So he calls her by name um, and then arise. And that, by the way, that it's the same word for resurrection. So these are little resurrections, if you prefer. After this, she opened her eyes and sat up. And what did Peter do? Yeah, he called them back in, um, the saints and the widows, the believers and the widows, and presented to them to her alive. And then who does Peter stay with? With Simon the Tanner and Joppa. All right, very good. Meditation on this text. Peter reveals the true comfort of the Holy Spirit as he brings the power of the resurrection to those whose bodies are under the curse of death. Even as both men and women were persecuted by the Jews, now both men and women are told to arise, and the power of the word brings forth the new creation. Just as Jesus forgave and then healed, so now Peter preaches forgiveness, then bestows the fruit of the resurrection. Peter would not let them clothe Tabitha with the garments of her own works, but put the people out of the room so that they might know that only the garments of the crucified and risen Lord can cover over death and give us life. As Tabitha had been washed with the greater washing of baptism and raised to life, so we can be certain that we are heirs of that same resurrection when we wear the clothes of our baptism. Like Elijah, Elisha, and Peter, the church's pastors are yet calling people from death to life by the preaching of the risen Lord. All right, very good. Speaking of baptism, let's confess the sacrament of baptism. What does such baptizing with water indicate? It indicates that the old Adam in us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires, and that a new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Where is this written? St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, through your word and spirit, you call us to daily contrition and repentance that our, our for our sin, that the old Adam in us might be drowned and die with all his sins and evil desires. Work true repentance in our hearts every day. Teach us to confess our sins and to flee to Christ for our life and salvation. By your word of forgiveness, raise up the new man of faith in us, that we might live before you in righteousness and purity forever. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, hold on one second. I know it, it went blank. Just give me a uh, moment. I want to uh, do something here. That's already in use. Um, two, okay. Give me one moment. All right, good. We'll come back to that in a moment. Okay. Uh, let us pray then on this Saturday for faithfulness to the end, for the renewal of those who are withering in the faith and have fallen away, for all pastors as they prepare to administer Christ's holy gifts, and for receptive hearts and minds on the Lord's day. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. On this June 19th, we pray with uh, Aislinn and Julie, who celebrate their baptism, with Bev and Ed, who celebrate their anniversary. We pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment or recovering, especially Tristan, Marcella, Jeremy, Kelsey, Amanda, John, Timothy, and Janice, Sandy and Ken, our homebound Bev, David, Will Willis and Janice, Mickey, and Roy. The missions and mercy work of the church, especially this month, Sheboygan County Hispanic Outreach. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy.
Prayer collect for this week. O Lord, since you never fail to help and govern those whom you nurture in your steadfast fear and love, work in us a perpetual fear and love of your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have grace, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, let's uh, sing our hymn one more time for this week. A multitude comes from the east and the west. comes from the east and the west to sit at the feast of salvation with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the blessed, obeying the Lord's invitation. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. O God, let us hear when our shepherd shall call in accents persuasive and tender that while there is time we make haste one and all find him our mighty defender have mercy upon us, O Jesus all trials shall be like a dream that is past, forgotten all trouble and mourning. All questions and doubts have been answered at last, when rises the light of that morning. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. The heavens shall ring with an anthem more grand than ever on earth was recorded. The blessed of the Lord shall receive at his hand the crown to the victors awarded. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. 
Okay, I'll tell you what I had uh, for what I was trying to do is I thought this Saturday was the uh, the uh, commemoration of the Council of Nicaea, but it was last Saturday, and I didn't show you something last Saturday that I wanted to show you. So we'll do that today. Um, before I do that, just wanted to say thanks for joining us, especially Karen, Donna, um, Eileen. Donna and Karen will watch later. Gus and Eileen are watching now, uh, and then my my Aussie friend is watching. And yes, you're welcome for the Letters of Spiritual Counsel by Tappert, I think. You find Luther as pastor there most prominently. Okay, so let's try this again. Uh, first, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a new scene. All right, and then I got to capture my, my web browser here. So let me do that. Uh, da, 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 da. Voila, beautiful. All right, now you can see a web browser. Um, here's what I want to show you. This is on our website, uh, St. John Random Lake, stjohnrandomlake.org. Okay, so you want to go there. All right, and it looks something like that. Um, it has a little cut off here, so we'll make it a little smaller. All right, there we go. Good. All right, so go to church, and then go to our church. All right, so you'll see it there, and we'll make this, uh, let's see, transform, uh, fit to screen, there we go. Okay, good. So now you can see that. If you scroll down to the bottom, obviously you can watch our broadcast live on there. If you scroll down to the bottom, You'll see live streaming, our history, divine service, children in the liturgy. Keep going. Holy baptism, Lord's Supper, congregation of prayer, catechesis. Keep going. Pastoral care of souls, Lutheran confession. Keep going. Here it is. Hymns to know, but look at this one. Interactive Nicene Creed. All right, so click on that. All right. And then this is what I wanted to show you. Is when it comes to the Nicene Creed, um, there's a historic introduction here, which is pretty cool. Um, but here's the even cooler part, right? Because sometimes people ask, where did that creed come from? What's it all about? Well, of course, you can see where it com came from. That's a historic introduction here at the top. But actually, when you see the creed, you'll note that there's scripture passages next to it. All right, so like, I believe in one God. If you go roll over the scripture text, it will actually show you um, scriptures that... Uh, um, Confirm what we confess, right? Or rather, our confession is confirmed by the scriptures. For with one heart we believe under righteousness, and with one mouth, I believe, we make mouth confession as made unto salvation, right? So I believe. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. See, one God, right? Also, of course, Jesus himself quotes it. Uh, the Shema, as it's called. Um, then we also have James two nineteen. You believe that there is one God, you do well, even the demons believe and tremble, all right? And you can do this with any, even some of the more um, difficult texts. I did include the Apostles' Creed section here, so you can see what's unique to the Apostles' Creed. But sometimes people will ask about uh, one holy Christian and apostolic church, for example. On there you can read from 1 Peter 2, verse 5 uh, and 9, one, one priesthood, one holy house, Ephesians 2, 19, of course, being built up into the household of God on the foundation of Christ and the Apostles, etc. And if you click on these, then it will open that scripture text in a new window, right? So you can do more, more study of it. All right, so that interactive uh, uh, Nicene Creed that's a, on our website 
under church, our church, and then go all the way down to the bottom. All right. So hopefully that's uh, something that might be helpful to you um, as a devotional resource as you consider our confession of faith, um, that we're not confessing uh, what we believe outside of actually what the scriptures give us to believe. All right. So hopefully that's helpful. Lord be with you all and keep you safe. I hope to see you tomorrow. We have divine service at 9.30 a.m. Um, and of course, well, you can join us again on Monday morning um, for this, our congregation of prayer. Lord be with you all and we'll see you soon.